Welcome to the People's Revolution podcast. This is a space where we share stories from activists around the world. We hope that these stories inspire you to act locally as we share globally. Welcome to the People's Revolution podcast. We're going to start today, as always, with a land acknowledgement. A recognition that we are on stolen land is not enough when the genocide we call history still continues today and is reinforced by the daily lives of those unaware. Residential schools only closed their last doors in 1997, but the mentality of the residential schools lives on. White people, imagine living in a place that not only normalizes genocide, but actively covers it up. We don't live here because a peaceful treaty was signed. We live here because white people before us brutally pushed their way in. This includes our current government, RCMP and church, and we need to acknowledge this and the harmful systems it brought with it before we can even attempt to create reconciliation. It is a privilege to not know that you're living in such a way that makes a genocidal reality seem like regular everyday life. I would still like to recognize that the stolen land I'm speaking from is rightfully the traditional territories of the Blackfoot nations and forced to be the home of Treaty 7. These nations are Siksika, Gaina, and Pigani. In these spaces, the Siksikates and Sipi people lived and practiced their oral traditions as far back as existence goes. Treaty 7 was signed on September 22, 1877 in a brutally unethical way. This treaty was not upheld. Treaty 7 includes the Satina Nation, the Stony Nakoda Nations, and the Métis Nations of Region 3. So, this space known as Calgary is actually rightfully known as Mokinstis. Welcome to part three of our four-part series on Alberta, a story of white supremacy, racism, bigotry, and violence. Again, we are with uh, Tigre Lee Campbell, Tierra Williams, Brad Gallimore, and Terry DCHC. We are going to continue our discussion and presentation on Alberta by going through the different Black Lives Matter rallies that happened. Um, since 2020, some of the bigger ones, some of the smaller ones, and a lot of the hate and backlash that happened. And we hope to paint a picture and give some context to it. Again, same as the last one, this one is a compilation of a couple different interviews clipped together to share the story. And as always, you can check out the reference list in the link below. It's pretty big, so it is in a shared Google Doc. We really appreciate you being with us so far and for listening to this story. We think it's really important and it's just been such a fucked up experience. We are um, very happy to share this with you as well as the final piece coming soon, which will include information on the um, convoy to Ontario from Alberta before 2020 
um, which we promised at the beginning. So thank you so much. And without further ado, here you go. I would love to just start at the beginning of 2020 and just kind of talk about the important rallies that happened. Um, so when 2020 started, um, like, uh, Black Lives Matter had been a thing, I think, since about 2016, um, but then 2013? It was for 12. Trayvon Martin, right? 12, 12. yeah, Trayvon, 2012. Yeah. 2012, thank you so much. Um, and so, but um, with what happened with George Floyd, it um, got, it, it, it like revved, revved up, is that the right word? Well, Ahmaud Aubrey happened, and then it seemed just like that out of nowhere, George Floyd, and it was just like, what the fuck? And everybody just, that video changed the world, literally, in many good and bad ways. So you can get into that. Black Lives Matter 2020, yeah, it was, it was wild. And it was, it was the first, like, we deal with racism our whole lives but because it is so constant it's really really hard to recognize um sometimes a lot of the time um especially if you don't know what to look for and so when um the first wave like it all comes in it all comes in waves you know that the 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 uh, excitement is there and then it goes away and then it comes back because something fucking awful happens again and then it goes away so I didn't understand y'all like I did not get it at all I got fucking squirrely and I didn't understand what anything was like and it's like, but, and it's embarrassing. I feel embarrassed, but I feel like it's really important to share that when you know better, you do better. And that nobody is perfect. And it, it is all a learning, it is all a learning process. And white supremacy is so deeply seated and ingrained in all of us in that there will be and are racialized people as well that will say all lives matter. And that's just the reality of it. So in 2018, or sorry, 2020, that like things finally clicked. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, my friend, like, she had tried to explain what systemic racism was to me. And I, I just, my brain would not receive it. Like, it just, like, wasn't there. And yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. Holy shit. Anyways, um, so in 2020, I was like, it was like a fucking light bulb. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like, there's so much learning and unlearning to do. It was wild. And I knew that there was, I knew that there was a protest being held in Edmonton. Um, 
but I was like six or seven months pregnant and I, uh, I couldn't go. Yeah, there was big rallies in Edmonton and Calgary, and I'll just put some clips up of the Calgary one here before I put clips up of the Edmonton one here. Um, the Edmonton one was substantially bigger. The uh, count was 15,000 people were in attendance. That is fucking amazing. That was um, insane. Yeah. Can you um, speak on that experience, please? And thank you. Well, I just woke up one day and I was like, just heartbroken from the George Floyd. I don't know how many times I cried watching it and just, I feel like I need to do something. I had went to my first protest a couple of years ago and it was like very insignificant, tiny, just a few people. And um, I don't know, it just, it lit a fire kind of. So after all of that happened, I was devastated, upset. And I mean, my dad is black, my family's black, half of my family and my friends are black. And it just, it was traumatic to see that. And basically it's like watching your own dad die over and over on camera, but this man's crying out for his mother. One of the most traumatic things I think I've ever seen online. And so called up my sister and I was like, we should do a protest. Like we need, I need to do something. I need to do something with this like heartbreak and anger. I need to put it into something positive because just sitting here stewing is not good for my mental health and let's see what we can do. So I just made a post on Facebook. Hey, any friends and family want to come to the ledge and protest the brutality and murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. And so... I don't know how it happened within like an hour. It was viral. I just had my friends and family share. And then I had a bunch of news people coming and messaging me and my sister. And then we were on the newspaper and it just, it just spiraled. And I never expected that response at all, especially in Edmonton, Alberta. That was just like, whoa. So in three and a half, four days, we planned this protest. We got our speakers. We got everything that we needed. We had security. We had everything. But it was just, it was the like most stressful four days of my life. Because on top of doing all of this, we also had people who were like, well, who are you? Where did you come from? And kind of, what's the word? Like, you haven't been an activist for as long as I have. So why are you doing this? Yes, gatekeeping. Thank you. And so that was intense. And then it was, well, if you don't have COVID restrictions in place, then we're not coming. And then so we had to reach out to Alberta Healthcare. And like this, I've never done this before. So I don't, it was just like a whole learning process. And in only four days, because that's all the time we had to do it. And we ended up with a whole sound system that people donated to us. We had all this sanitizer from distilleries and masks and just so many amazing people stepped up to help make this day happen. And then the volunteers could not have done that without them. That was incredible too. And the conspiracies and stuff around it too was insane. 
Like Dina Hinshaw said that she contacted us and told us that we should not do the protest. And I'm like, I literally have an email from Alberta Healthcare that was not you, Dina, <laughs> saying that we're good to go. So like just so many things that were like, what? I never even spoke to these people. And so, and then like the hate groups come out and they're like, well, we're going to throw bricks at you and we're coming for you. And it was just like, oh shit. Like my mom's like, don't go on stage. Don't go anywhere near. I'm like, I can't not be on stage. What are you talking about? I have to. So uh, sadly, my son didn't get to come witness history. I really wanted him to be there, but I was afraid. I didn't know what to expect. We had all these like violent people saying they're coming and they were there you could see them and spot them in the crowd and they were just standing there like oh all dressed in black and every one of them had an umbrella which was random like, nice weapon <laughs> so that was interesting and then just afterwards it turned into okay well we have the protest now what so we that's how a fight for equity was kind of created and um that's how I met amazing people like you and Brad and Tigra and Terry and just everybody in the activism side of Alberta all came together. And that was a beautiful thing. Like seeing so many people from so many different walks of life was just incredible and made you realize like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. So many times you doubt yourself when it gets that big. It was just so overwhelming in the worst and best way. I don't know how to how else to explain it. And then now you're in the public eye. So people are judging you left, right, and center. And people are doxing you. And people are following you and coming after you. And now there's lateral violence because you're not doing enough for the people. And it was just crazy. But it was one of the best things I think that could have happened in Alberta because it brought a strong group of people together and activists together. And Next thing you know, we're all traveling together and going to protest together. And it was, it's, yeah, it was very emotional and a wonderful, it's been a wonderful ride, but a lot has happened since 2020. It's been crazy. Yeah. Brad. <laughs> Brad, you're killing me right now. I know. <laughs> but it's so true. Like the fact that we all came together, like, you know, like I read, I think I randomly reached out to Tierra, and her first response was like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, just, and like, little did I know, they had already started protesting before I even came into the picture. They were already dealing with PK and Red Deer and all of those things happening. So then it blew up in Edmonton. And just one of the best things that ever happened was so after we did our cleanup, because we literally had to go to the ledge before it happened. And we sprayed the ground with X's so we could have people social distanced. And I mean, that didn't really happen. It was over 15,000 people, but we did our best. <laughs> and then we had police and they're like camera vehicles there. And then we had uh so like with the ledge grounds, there's the top part of the ledge and then you go down to where the band shell is. Well, somebody else had planned a protest that day as well. So her protest started before ours did. 
And so everybody was already up at her protest. And then they all marched down the hill to our protest, which was like a profound moment for me too. I have goosebumps thinking about it. It was incredible. And then from there, we had our huge protest. But after we did our cleanup, it was like almost 11 at night. And I was driving home. And I hear like this faint chanting in the distance downtown. Everybody from the protest left and marched all throughout downtown. And they were like screaming and honking. And when everybody walked by, they were like all these people, like Black, Indigenous, Asian, just every racialized race of people were like, oh, thank you so much. This made me feel important. Like just that part alone was just like, whoa. Just from me, me and my sister, like, hey, let's do a protest. Let's let's do this. And just all of that happening. Then I have people messaging me saying, thank you so much. I never felt like I mattered until that day. And like, it was just very emotional. And I'll forever remember that. <laughs> it was a great, great thing to see so many people so proud of who they are. And the best part is we threw it on Breonna Taylor's birthday. So that's how we honored her. I don't know. I'm going to cry like Brad's crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. No, uh, like, yeah, thank you for doing all that work. Um, like, holy shit. Um, that was super impactful. As you can see by Brad's tears, it's very impactful. Um, yeah. But not just... I mean, just... it's easy to make me cry. Don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a crier too. Um, but that, like, that was huge. Like, 15,000 people, it's massive. That you did it in four days is incredible. Um, that it had such a lasting impact is also just, it's, it was necessary. And it was needed. Like, I, I think I didn't even realize how much I needed that as well. And so many other people, the same thing. It was just very powerful. We had like so many powerful speakers on, yeah. just so many people that I was blown away by what they were saying. And then we had our like rappers and artists and it, it was just great. It was a wonderful day. And it was a sad emotional day, but it was also one of the most powerful things I've ever witnessed. Like I can't imagine that, like the electricity, like that, holy shit. But I remember um, when Lloyd had a protest and I went to Lloyd's protest and um, and uh, it was really like, it was really great to see that turnout and, um, but the comment sections were awful and they are still awful and um, I, and then I remember, I'm like, why? Like, we need to have another one. We shouldn't just limit it to one. You know, are the other towns, like, going to do anything either? And it was just, it was like, I don't know, a few days later, I saw Brad, like, freaking floundering in the Vermilion groups, like, trying to plan this protest. <clears throat> and um, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, I do want to help and blah, blah, blah. And then I had reached out to Tierra. Um, because I was like, y'all had already planned protests and that, so that's how I ended up getting to, into contact with all of them. And, uh, and then, so that's what, 
that's what sparked my activism career. And um, really, yeah, I guess just really started to understand blackness and racism and systemic racism and not that I didn't know what it was before but to understand how it fundamentally impacts our everyday lives is it's you know it it takes a lot of learning I guess <laughs> and um yeah I don't know it um It kind of like, I don't know, it rocked my world. Like it made me like really angry, not the movement itself, but like just like not being so naive, I guess, too. And like recognizing like my own internalized racism, like that it was, it was like a whole like aha moment I don't really know exactly how to explain it and um it just like really made you view society through not even just one like not even just my own like lens like like biracial lens even but like the intersectional lens the queer lens the female lens like you know it's just like <clears throat> you're hyper aware that you know this one way is not the end all be all and <clears throat> um I think from the Black Lives Matter movement which is still ongoing like it's not this you know it shouldn't have to take somebody else dying like um Tyree Nichols for it to spark the outrage again you know like <clears throat> it's not a uh it's not a fad and um but you can see how it is you know but as black people it's not a it's not a fad it kind of opened up a bunch of other people like EPS now started doing their racialized, like not saying it went anywhere because I no longer work with them for a reason, but a lot of people were starting to like realize, okay, we need to change. We need to change syst systemically. We need to change who we are. A lot of people started doing their own work and it was nice to see so many people, but just like everything, people kind of get bored with it and they kind of not everybody sticks it, it didn't stick as much as I wanted it to like maybe for the first year but if you go on a fight for equity now like there's barely any interactions it's usually the same people you know the same passionate folks and that's the problem we have such a short attention span and it's like oh well George Floyd happened but now oh here's another death and oh let's mourn that and now let's forget that and now Tyree Nichols and here we are again and it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And it's mm -hmm. disgusting. Well, we're going to link the link to a fight for equity below. So if this is hitting you in the feels, please join. Please start the conversation again. And please 
it's we do need to talk about it we have to um and and, and engage and this this goes out to the white people in a, in a fight for equity it's okay to be wrong you're you're not gonna get put on blast or like ousted from the group if you're just like wrong about something or if you're asking questions that's the whole point of a fight for equity is learning you know how many times i was wrong in the last almost three years like you learn so much you know how many point. times i was wrong today <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right? and 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 so and like you know i can only speak to the white people but like trust me like you're going to be wrong and good learn you know and, and but say something start a conversation so that you can learn and then have those conversations with your family members and not like fuck your racist uncle tell him to fuck off but like the ones that are like you know they're like oh i just like liked kind of parts of the freedom convoy of course you did but now here's why you're wrong exactly <laughs> you know and here's what happened you know sure two dudes in the basement started it but then it got hijacked so here's why you need to stay away from that shit mm -hmm. and it's just a conversation and you learn those skills in a fight for equity so that's that mm -hmm. is my props white people go to a fight for equity learn some shit mm -hmm. <laughs> yes Click That's on the what link I learned below. my shit. Yeah. Um, and so after the the bigger rallies kind of started to dissipate, but also kind of when they are happening, the smaller towns in Alberta started to rally, and some went peacefully. They had one rally. They did their thing. Um, some was not so peacefully and it got kind of fucked up, but there was like, for example, Lethbridge, Innisfail, Lacombe, Banff, um, Red Deer, um, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, there was in Innisfail, they put on, they said they were going to put the rally on and then they were like, they were receiving, they got a bunch of issues, um, from people that lived in the town. Um, actually have a clip of some people in the town and what they thought, so I'm going to play that here. They're not going to get any real traction in Innisfail. Innisfail, a central Alberta town of 8,000, finds itself in the middle of the province's racism debate. After an on-again, off-again, and now possibly back on-again, anti-racism protest planned for this parking lot on Saturday. I've seen maybe two black families in this town, ever. I'm completely for Black Lives Matters, but this town's kind of not the audience that you're looking for. We never used to have them. Things were great. Don't need them now, things will be great. But they want to do it, let them go for it. The Black Lives Matter protest was initially called off after an onslaught of online bigotry but it was revived after a wave of support. Only a few dozen people have formally committed to going on Facebook, but there are hundreds of people in the Central Alberta Against Racism group, which is linked to the event page. And as the organizer herself posted, this has expanded well beyond what she was expecting. Uh, it's a pretty small town, so I don't think it should be that big, you know? If anything, it'll be good for tourism. I'll be fishing. City News reached out to the organizer, but the calls were not returned in time for broadcast. The town's mayor says they were caught off guard by all the attention and found himself backtracking on comments to the Calgary Herald that all lives matter. In a statement, he says, Since I made these comments, I've received many messages pointing out my lack of awareness on what is a tremendously important subject. I received this feedback with the clear understanding that I need to do better. 
Alberta Premier Jason Kenney is unequivocal in his support. Racism is always and everywhere an evil. It's a sickness of the soul. It must be condemned uh, at every turn. And we must recognize a, a history of institutional racism here in Canada that sadly has touched us in Alberta. But there is still some question about whether or not the rally will happen. This post was up for about an hour Wednesday, expressing concerns about the potential cost of the event, but it's since been taken down. In Innisfil, Jonathan Muma, City News. Yo, hold on. I'm just going to say this. I'm still pissed off about Innisfil, okay? They got so much attention while we were dealing with the exact same shit here, and they didn't continue. So, like, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they did it, but, like, what have you heard from Innisfil lately? I know. And they got all this attention. Tigra have been, like, putting in the work. Yeah, like... And, like, I didn't do it for the attention, but I was still oh, a little pissed that she was getting all that shit. And it was like, man, what are you doing? No, yeah, because I tried to Google when I was researching for this um, rallies that happened in either Vermilion or Lloydminster and, like, crickets. Crickets. You have to Google my name to find it. <laughs> do you know how stupid that is to me? <laughs> Search That's the white crazy. guy's name and you'll find the story of Vermilion's Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Think that's about that. Take that home with you. Right. That was like when I got hit by that Nazi dude. Everybody made such a big deal about it. But that same weekend, three girls under the age of 18 got attacked in Prince Island Park, all because they were wearing hijabs and appeared as Muslims to the group of people who attacked them. Like, that, nobody should be talking about the white dude who got hit by the white dude. Should be talking about the fucking hate crime that just happened. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a huge thing across Alberta, too. The constant attacks on the Muslim people. And then when we tried to do a protest of, like, handing out roses and just letting them know we're here with them, EPS threatened to charge us, so we weren't allowed to do it. <laughs> what? Correct. Yeah. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, every Saturday, there was a freedom rally, and these are anti-maskers and people who do not take COVID seriously, and they weren't threatened or told to stop, but us who want to take, like, masks and sanitizer and make sure we're doing it safely, but just to let those people know, hey, we're here with you, we couldn't do it, so we ended up getting people to just make signs, put them in our windows, share it on social media, which I'm sorry was not as impactful as if we stood out there supporting the community. It was very upsetting. Mm -hmm. That's fucked up. Yeah. Damn. Why is Alberta like this? I know. We just went through why Alberta is like this. Um, <laughs> but like, holy fucking fuck. Um, yeah. And I guess to speak to that a little bit more, we can go on to Lacombe. Um, the Lacombe rally, I think, was important because a hate group from a different province flew here and was like, hey, we're here and we're going to come to this very small town. I think they were actually here for the Red Deer rally um, or they stayed after the Red Deer rally because I think it was after. It was in October. Um but I have a clip of it that I'm going to show here. 
Well, anti-racism event in Lacombe today aimed to educate. About 50 people attended the anti-racism conversation at the Lacombe Memorial Centre. Various groups were invited to share their experiences. A small group of counter-protesters moved around the perimeter of the gathering, but kept their distance as police watched. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to show that, like, whether it's a bigger thing or a smaller thing, whether it's something that made the news or not, it was very few and far between that these people were not, were either showing up to fuck shit up or they were threatening online. Oh, there's Brad. They were threatening online to show up. Um, and they just, it's been consistent. Um, it's been super consistent. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do much though. They were kind of like, they were, boring to be honest with you you know like they showed up and they like had their big ass canadian flag and they but like they didn't even just, try like, to get show off their jackets and like yeah there yeah. they didn't even try I mean, to get past us though like they were honestly like of all the people we've dealt with they were the most boring so i was like why'd you even we, we used that? to deal with them we dealt with them a bunch here in ontario before i yeah. moved out to calgary and they were the ones who were causing like the most havoc out of all the groups. Really? And then, yeah. And then I came out there and I didn't, I wasn't at the Lacombe rally, but I remember hearing about it and everyone saying that. And I was like, seriously? And it's the same people from Ontario. And like, I thought, I'll the be picture right back. Baby, we'll yep. Same, same group of people. And like, like when we were here, um, so like at Pride in Hamilton, for example, in uh, 2019, one of the guys who came out there, uh, he ended up being called the Canadian Pan Man because he uh, went after people at the Pride rally with a like a motorcycle helmet and was like bashing people's faces in and shit like that and like. A couple days later, same thing, attacked people inside of the Eaton Center in Toronto because they were Antifa. And um, then when we had the rallies in this small town um, outside of Kitchener to get rid of the Sir John A. Macdonald statue, um, they showed up there. And every time that the statue got painted red, they would show up with fucking toothbrushes and like cleaning supplies and they clean all the paint off of the fucking sir johnny mcdonald statue one time it turned into a confrontation but then they ended up they ended up getting in their car and leaving because there was just way too many people that they would have it wouldn't have worked out well but yeah they were the ones who were causing a lot of problems here and then when i came out there it was like Stephen Lane standing there waving a flag with the old dude in a fucking walker and some yeah. random kid who was like 16 years old. And it was just like, oh, these guys are kind of a joke. Yeah, like they, and I'm not trying to call them out or anything, but they are fucking, they were boring. Like there was me and I think one like, like tiny woman and they like didn't even try to push past us and i was like i like i'm not a big fucking guy like <laughs> if you're if you're afraid of me and a small woman like you maybe this isn't the right career for you <laughs> i wonder if it could have been because of the charges that there were at the time cuz there oh, were a bunch of charges that stemmed from hamilton 
That, it might be, but it was it was interesting because we were all freaked out, of course, because these guys show up with their big Canadian flag and they all came in a little truck convoy and they all get out and I'm like, oh fuck, this is gonna be a problem, and they just yelled from the background. I was like, keep up the great work. Well, and the whole reason they were out there was to do survival training, and they yeah. came out and met up with whoever the fuck else they went out with and went out into the forest and went camping for a weekend. I can't imagine those people survived very long. <laughs> Me either. Like, <laughs> I mean, they yeah, were survival gonna... training, but they had like a 30 foot trailer with satellite and fucking <laughs> <laughs> full operating kitchen. What the fuck? They're surviving. Yeah. Oh, we were, we were really rough. Man. Which, okay. That's actually been a consistent theme is like, survivalist training and training camps like that is also a thing that's important to note like we can make fun of mm-hmm. them i love making fun of them um but like sometimes we're... A million. everybody here knows how to survival okay like it's called hunting right um but i think that it's important to note that scarier people than these people that we're talking about do do that um correct mm-hmm. and they do it um they also do like training with weapons while they do it um, um, like the, again, again, sorry. No, I was just gonna say in Vermilion we just call that hunting. Yeah, camping and hunting, but they're like, right, like they're like, oh, we're doing survival training. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure you were just hunting actually, but without actually getting anything. So you were foraging. And, like as as much as like these smaller groups going out and doing their survival training versus like militia groups going out and doing survival training. Yeah, it's not as like it's it's less harmful in a sense, but it's not because it's the pipeline into those groups and it's the further like they're already radicalized at that point. It's the further radicalization and in turn isolation that those groups create. And that's when we start seeing issues like what we see in the United States where you get some random dude shooting up a crowd because whatever reason and specifically targeting people of color or a gay bar or 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 yeah oh very good point you're right i shouldn't make light of it you know and we get things like red deer 2020 fucking unfortunate yeah the small towns like they're pretty brazen with their racism i mean what what did saint paul's uh church show was it like the White Lives Matter? They had something on their church banner in St. Paul. Yeah, they, they did the All Lives Matter. All Lives Matter, yeah. Red Deer 2020. Yeah. For legal reasons, the next portion on Red Deer and the RCMP contains a lot of material that is alleged. I would like to just take a minute to put a firm line between the facts and what we're going to share allegedly because the police in Alberta like to sue people. So the facts are there was a anti-racism, family-friendly educational event in Red Deer and threats were made pretty publicly on the internet beforehand. The police were contacted, um, especially by people that were trying to put the event on and they were made aware of the threats as well as a change of venue what time the event was and all that stuff um the police did factually show up late what they claim was on time 
Um, so here's where the allegedly parts come in. So the police went upon arrival um, and there had already been a fight for about 20 minutes. Um, they allegedly stated they did not know that there was a change of venue or the whereabouts. They allegedly had some issues with figuring out the time that people would be there. Allegedly. There is videos of them talking about what they did and did not know. Um, and then there's also the fact that there was a 20 minute fight before their arrival. How that slipped through the police's um, fingers or perceptions, um, that is only for us to speculate. There is no claim of fact in our speculation for legal reasons. A cab forever. I'm so sorry. Do we have to? Do we have to? We don't have to watch the video, but I'm going to play the video for everybody here. Violence at an anti-racism rally in Red Deer shocking many this week. And also pushing the spotlight on Red Deer RCMP, many criticizing the forest for not taking enough action against hate groups that were there to disrupt and later outright cancel the planned event. This policing expert says from the looks of it, officers could have done a lot more to keep the peace. After our city news story on the violent event aired Monday, RCMP launched an investigation and Alberta's justice minister is demanding to get to the bottom of what happened at the anti-racism rally. In Edmonton, Rochelle Sufi, City News. That may be what the group wanted, but it's unlikely how the event will be remembered. Shortly after it got underway, counter-protesters arrived. No surprise to organizers. They say they'd received death threats and had seen social media posts like this. I'm going to be this big guy in the white shirt. Ready? Watch what he does. Little slaps to the face. Sunday, things went further than that. The man who had posted the video threatening the rally was there, but says he took no part in violence. While video shows a police presence on Sunday, they made no arrests, and organizers say they did not protect anyone. Today, Alberta asked the RCMP to get to work. Police have a difficult job keeping the peace. The Mounties say they had analysts doing security assessment prior to the rally, that they'd missed footage of physical violence, but can't lay charges yet. The police are required to conduct a full investigation, and we can't simply just submit uh, a video. The first thing I want to say before Brad unfucking loads um, is I'm going to show this picture right here of one dude punching another dude. This was the first punch thrown. It was from a white guy to an indigenous gentleman uh, who was wearing a mask up to here. So they assumed this guy was with us. He was not. Um, <laughs> so they punched him and the guy was like, good punch, but I'm with you. And I was like, this is how this is going to go. Brad, take take it away, Brad. Like, okay, so I'm not going to lie. So that day straight up fucking changed me. Um, like, I was 
aware of things that were happening. I was, you know, trying to do my best to be a part of things. And that day, like literally, like I relived that day almost every fucking day. Like it was fucked. It was straight up like white supremacists in your face. You cannot deny it. And they want to fucking kill you. I also almost got hit by a bus that day. It's, it's kind of irrelevant, but like straight up happened. Um, <laughs> I was running across the street to help somebody, and there was a bus. I didn't look. I almost got hit by a bus. But that's, anyways, like I straight up that day was just fucked. It was, there was, and like you said, like the first punch was thrown against themselves. Still fucking hilarious. But there was, there's even a clip where they're all like coming up to this little fence. And there's a little gap in the fence, but none of them go to it. And it's like watching cattle not being able to find the hole in the chute. And it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Because you can even see a guy yelling over the fence. And all I can imagine him saying is, where's the hole? How do I? How do? Sir, sir, can I? Anyways, no. But that, like, it was fucked. Everything became real. Um, like, like I had said before, previously in this podcast, my activism is incredibly privileged. I am very close with Tierra and Tigra. Um, I get to see the amazing things they do, but unfortunately get to see the shit that they have to fucking deal with. And that's when it was really in my face. And I'm not going to say that I wasn't aware of it before, but like, sometimes you have no choice but to change every perspective you've ever fucking had ever. And that day is exactly what happened to me. You know, like, the number one reason I'm anti-racist is the boondocks growing up and September fucking 20th. Because it, I had never seen anything like it. And these people are yelling at me. There was a guy who drove all the way from Lloydminster just to fucking see me there. Because I was the leader of Antifa that week. And don't get me wrong, it was flattering, but not really. The ironic part is... That guy who drove all the way from Lloydminster to be there and was like straight up Pat King fucking crony. Him and I are actually kind of chummy now because he is. He said everything about all of those dudes were fucked. He's probably not going to be on our next BLM rally, but he understands why BLM exists. Like, it's actually weird. He came to our fucking uh, multicultural festival the last two years in a row. Like, it's with his motorcycle group. <laughs> it's that fucking weird. Because even people from that side saw how fucked it was, what they were doing. Because we were not there to cause problems. We were there to have a rally with just speakers. There was free fucking donuts, which has got to be the most Canadian thing you've ever heard of. And people still showed up to counter it. And, and with hate, with, with force, they, they, there were many who literally live streamed themselves saying, we are here. To fuck up Antifa. And it was full fuck. For the first time in my life, I was actually forced to call 911 because a person of color asked me to. Not that it had mattered at that point. They were already on their way. And then also fuck the police while we're on the fucking subject. Who happened to arrest the only person that the only fucking person that they did anything to, they tackled to the ground and arrested a trans man who was about five feet fucking tall. And, like, I love this person to death, no offense, not exactly a fucking threat. 
you know, the only thing you need to worry about from this person is they might like throw butterflies at you. Like this is how <laughs> nice of a person this, this excellent man is. And like, that's the, and I had it on, I recorded it. I have it on video of them him throwing him to the ground and arresting him. And it was like, they're like, it was fucked. And I may have it confused. It might not have been the five foot tall one. There are a couple, there's a five foot tall one and there's a slightly taller one. I might have them confused on the height, but very not threatening individual thrown to the ground and arrested and then immediately let go because, oh, wait, we didn't, they didn't do anything fucking wrong. You know, we had people walking up the street yelling the N-word at, at uh, black activists across the street. And I went to an officer and said, are you going to fucking do something? And they said, what can I do? <laughs> Anything. Like, <laughs> pick a thing. Pick, pick a thing. I don't know, play a game of cards. What do you think I want you to fucking do? So, and and that too, as somebody like my dad is was almost a cop. My grandmother was a cop. I genuinely grew up believing that the police were doing the right thing. And I had my mind changed a long time ago, I promise. But like seeing that when I was told my whole life, when something is wrong, you tell an officer. And then for like, to me, hey, Something is wrong. You're an officer. Nothing fucking happened. And, you know, so easy for me as a white guy to be like, oh, look, the cops don't fucking do anything. That is a realization that that people of color have had their whole fucking lives. And that's where I say my activism comes from privilege, because that day changed my fucking life because I saw what happens to people of color. And there was nothing I could do. I couldn't change my mind. It was there in front of my face. Everybody says they want video evidence. I have it. <laughs> Julia got punched in the fucking face that day through a sign. I didn't get punched in the face. I got punched in the sign. <laughs> yeah, but they were going for your face. Sorry, I got, you got punched I got... in the sign towards your face area. I apologize. <laughs> and kicked. <laughs> I got I got booted in the... Um, yes. Yeah. And, no, I made the same mistake as you. When the cops showed up half an hour, 45 minutes late, I was like, hey, that guy punched me. And they were like, we don't fucking care. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Good talk. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad we cool. had this moment. I'm real hard to hard. Yeah. Like, I fucking hated cops before that. And I don't yep. even know why I tried, but I was like, he's right there. I actually have proof because my sign has his fucking fist print in it. And they were like, <laughs> meh, meh. It's it's literally right like it's a fist yeah <laughs> it looks like kyle punched a wall yeah <laughs> okay but like, when they first came up this old man came up to me and he looked me in the eye craziest eyes i've ever seen in my life and he said your liberal arts degree is not going to save you now and like, bitch, I have one. I do. <laughs> I just, um, I imagined him like punching through it. And I was like, yeah, this is not going to help me at all. Um, I was also told that I was a $20,000 a day Antifa protester. Um, oh. Yeah, 20. What the fuck is my money, Julia? 20 right? Um, there's a video of that also, like things that I don't know if I want to put in here, but things that I yeah. I think I do need to talk about. Hold on, you only got $20,000 a day, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, why you were never leader. Yeah, I know, I've never been the leader of Antifa. <laughs> yeah, 
Twenty thousand. Like that's we call that minimum wage. <laughs> um, can I quick add something to what Brad was saying there about? So I wasn't at Red Deer again. Um, I moved to Calgary what two months after it happened, I believe. Um, but exactly what happened there and what you're saying, like about how people were showing up, I'm here to beat up Antifa and all that. Like it just goes to show how much Canada really is like the States and how that right wing culture war bullshit permeates into our society as well. And how we really need like the populism that's coming from it is we need to be watching that just as much as what we are in the States, but we're more, we're more worried about what's happening in the States than we are in our own country. Mm, if that right. makes sense. Or our own backyard, whatever. That's absolutely correct. Cause we look at it and it, especially when it comes to like uh, the black lives matter and George Floyd, everybody always says, Oh, that's in America. That's in America. Look, look in your backyard. The same damn thing is happening, and the same anti-BLM things are happening here. It's the exact same. I, I know somebody personally who was shot dead by the cops here in Kitchener-Waterloo, smaller city than Calgary in Canada, all because he was threatening to kill himself with a paring knife, holding it through his throat. They showed up. They gave him 30 seconds to drop the knife. He didn't drop it. And they fucking unloaded 21 bullets in this guy. It happens here just as much. And he was a racialized person. It happens here just like it's just not as prevalent because we don't have as much population. We have a tenth of a percent, right? Or 10% of their population. Yeah, where it happens just as they're like Sammy Yatim in Toronto on the back of the bus. A kid, kid, underage kid at that, who is a person of color, again, suffering with mental illness, who wanted to hurt himself. And in the end, the cops didn't give him a chance, and he caught eight bullets. For time you're out, more time likely out. to die by police if you're having a mental health break as a racialized person in Canada than any other person. Yep. Tigra Lee's thoughts on Red Deer. I was so pregnant, like, because Red Deer, when was, what month was that? September? September 2020. Yeah, and I had, my my baby was a month old, so I couldn't go. Um, I think you didn't go, to be honest. I, well, I went to the community, I did go to the community discussion that I had had in Wetaskiwin, um, and I brought, but because I knew that how shit was going to go down in in Red Deer, I couldn't consciously bring my kids to that, knowing that there was going to be danger. And I wanted, I really wanted to be there. That was like, I really, really wanted to be there, but there was no way I could like put my kids in danger and like put myself in that much danger, knowing that, like my baby was so new but I do know like that whole thing was fucked up like we were all a part of that planning process and just to know that first of all it was supposed to be peaceful it was planned peaceful from the beginning 
And then second of all, knowing that even the location was changed to try and negate whatever wrath was going to come down. And they still showed up to the second location anyways. Like that was super fucked. It's also like a good point that, you know, you knew that shit was going to go down. Other people planning knew that shit was going to go down. But somehow the RCMP had no clue. Allegedly. So here is a clip of the RCMP's reaction. Um, What we heard at the rally was that they didn't know that the location was changed. Allegedly. They had the wrong location time allegedly blah 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 blah. but um we can see the progression of what they say here rcmp say they were aware of the rally but didn't arrive until after the violence started red deer rcmp superintendent gerald grobmeyer defending the officer's actions saying nobody expected violence to erupt and officers did intervene despite what the video shows it looks like we didn't take any action but the, you have to remember that at that time what was seen on the video we weren't we weren't there had we been there we would have turned take, take action i guarantee you we certainly would have separate the groups, which we had to do several times throughout the, 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 the protest and demonstration. They had analysts working on this gathering in advance, but organizers and the counter group showed up earlier than officers. Superintendent Gerald Grobmeyer told media an investigation is now underway. If victims and witnesses come forward, there could be enough evidence to warrant assault charges. Going forward, he says his officers will be prepared. This escalated very quickly today, so clearly the, the tone has changed. Um, so. And we'll, we'll ensure that, that our response matches that. Going back to the timeline, you said RCMP arrived there a little bit later because there was a change in venue last minute. My question is, why, why was the RCMP unaware of the change in venue, but dozens of counter-protesters and hate groups knew exactly where to go? We were aware of the, of the change in venue because the, the, the person who organized the, the, the protest um, informed us, so we knew where the pro- where it was going to be moved to. Um, we just this happened again before we arrived, so it wasn't that we went to the wrong venue. We knew where to go. Um, these events happened prior to our arrival. With respect, you said the other Red Deer protests were peaceful, but just a week prior to this one in neighboring Kanoka, someone was hit by a truck, and your counterparts are investigating that as a hit and run. We've also seen at least one social media video of someone basically hinting there would be violence if this, if this event did take place. Mm-hmm. So why weren't you watching more closely with an idea that things could get persistent? So we did have our analysts monitoring social me- media, and we did plan for it. So we had, at one point, we had 16 police officers at the, at the event on Sunday. So you had analysts in advance looking at this? Yes, we always do. For every 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 protest we would have, just to ensure to see if there's any what what the what the chatter might be. So but both sides beat you there, correct? With time. Both sides beat you there to this point. The, the RCMP. They were there before we were, yes. So if you did have analysts looking in advance, and yet you're saying the other protests were peaceful, and I'm just sorry, just not following, I guess. Like, did you expect this to get bad, or did you not expect this to get bad? We certainly didn't expect to see what we saw on Sunday. I don't think anybody did. 
RCMP telling media at a news conference Tuesday that officers were not there for the punches, but admit they knew about the online threats leading up to the rally. Now backlash online against RCMP, claiming they did not take the threats seriously. One person tweeting RCMP are failing in a big way. Their response to this is more disturbing. Others calling for RCMP to commit to do better. It almost feels like there's some willful, um, you know, displays of inaction uh, because of maybe broader narratives around defunding, you know, police services throughout uh, North America. And I hope that's not the case. I'm laughing, but it's not. It's funny. just such it's a, a blatant fucking lie. Bull it's a fucking lie. lie. Allegedly, it is yeah. such a lie, and like <clears throat> even like. They, she, like, she, she spoke to the RC. It was like days before, wasn't it, when she spoke to the RCMP and let them know like what was happening. I think a bunch of people did. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that she, the fact that she knew that what they were planning and knew that that was happening, so she changed the fucking location. She changed the location of the event altogether to get away from what was coming. And, and the RCMP were notified multiple times on the day, asked, like, literally, we're going, you should be there. And they were five minutes away and they were still fucking late, you yeah, know? Like half an hour. Yeah half an hour late you know and it's like the one fucking time i will never ever ever call rcmp to be at any of my events i don't give a fuck i don't care but that one fucking time that one time that they were called to be at that fucking event and they are lying saying that they did not know so just to add some context, you could obviously see in the news clip, this is where they changed their tune and were saying that they did know, but this was not the story from the beginning. And I think this is why the reporter asked them that. It's wild. It is, that is fucking beyond me. And then it's just like the accountability piece again, like they were, the they the counter protesters were literally fighting amongst themselves before they even fucking got there like they were already fighting and then and then we've seen all the videos we see we like jaya like here and the way he just got fucking clocked like that for handing somebody pieces of paper like literally and then the way that they want to instigate and paint In like the worst light because she got irritated like fuck yeah i would have done the same thing too like get that shit out of my face you know like there's and it's like oh but they were carrying around spray bottles of acid like are you fucking serious it was hand sanitizer yeah acid and that was like that 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 period that protest is what my best friend's mom and i had a falling out over she's like extreme convoy extreme anti-vax blah 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 lost her damn fucking mind over all of everything 
<clears throat> and it was that it was that protest that we were talking about. And it just happened to be in this community fucking Facebook group. And uh, she was glorifying Pat King. And I was trying to tell her, like, hey, like, I've had interactions with this person. They are not okay. They are not safe. They are not a good person. You know, thinking that out of the six years of our friendship, like my kids called her grandma, you know, that she would believe me over some person she's never met. At least I don't know if she's ne she ever met him, but, you know, like she doesn't know him from a hole in the fucking wall. You know, like, and, but because, be, because I wasn't physically there, she tried, she was discrediting me. Oh, well, you weren't there. And I was like, but I, I was a plan, I was a part of the planning process. Like, these are like, this is my group. This is my circle. This is my crew. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm literally telling you that these were the steps that were put in place to negate the shit that we already knew was coming. We knew that shit was coming and we tried to fucking stop it. And she was like, well, you weren't there. So how would you know? You know, like, are you fucking serious right now? Ugh. And they, and I'm, um, then they said that we had weapons, like on top of the hand sanitizer. <laughs> or no, on top of the fucking acid. And I don't know. It's just like, it's literally like the fucking bailed insurrection. It was just like it, you know, this shit went down. It was in HIPAA. It was JFK Jr. Shape-shifting. Like, it, like this shit, it literally fucked with people's minds. Like, it literally, like, I don't know. And like for the people that were easily influenced and are easily influenced and like they're easily like highly suggestible, you know, like those are the scariest ones. They are their whole thing is think for yourself, do your own research, you know, critical thinking, blah, 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 blah. But then like you will ask somebody what's critical race theory you know, what, like, why should we stop teaching that in school? What is fascism? What is, what, what is anti-fascism? You know, like, you ask these questions and they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Like, none. Yeah. And then, like, how do you convince those people that don't want to like expand their and they have their minds made up and they're for sure they know what they're talking about but like no yeah like, but all lives matter not only and it just brings up so much other shit like black on black crime you know it's not like that one that one fucking chick who tried to tell me it's not cops killing black people it's black people killing black people Look at the statistics on uh, the amount of black people that have abortions. Like, you can't, yeah, like you, this is, it is, 
And I can't even use the word offended. I hate using that word now, you know, but it is. It is the most offensive fucking bullshit, uneducated fucking bullshit because you Googled what is the statistics for black abortions? And you probably just picked the first fucking thing that came up on Google, yeah. you know, so that you can use it as a talking point. Like this, the it's and it like black lives matter. Like, like you can say, you can say a point, like, let's say like, <clears throat> you know, do you agree that there were some people in Canada that had were more disadvantaged than others and you know people will most like if i don't know let's just ask that question you know and let's pretend that they agree with me but then if you use you know black lives matter because systemic racism and oppression has obliterated them from any sort of playing field but just because you use the words black lives matter it shuts down the conversation immediately like they're literally no longer able to hear or receive or understand anything that you said because you use the term black lives matter mm-hmm. and it it just like it's like it takes it it it's like it takes something away like what the fuck does it take away from you to uplift somebody else what is being taken away from you that this makes you so fucking angry? You know, this like this, you know, well, we all had to work for what we have and, you know, just pull up your bootstraps. And, you know, especially when we're talking about like UBI and you just want to give people free money. Like what I'm saying is give everyone the opportunity to live. And what you're saying is, Nobody should get anything unless they suffer. Everyone should suffer for what they have. Like, that is literally how I think about it. And, like, just why? You know, I bet you collected your $2,000 a fucking month from CERB, but then you're going to shit on everyone else, you know, or you're going to shit on people who make ish for wanting more money, you know, when they are making less than two thousand dollars a month now and expected to live on that (sighs) red deer had a redemption rally the next week um here's a clip of it all entrances to coronation park in red deer were blocked off on sunday a police helicopter buzzed overhead all in hopes of preventing a clash between two groups holding events in the park it's overkill this is, just, this is what a waste of taxpayers' dollars. The Peace Walk was held in response to an event that resulted in a violent exchange on September 20th. The organizer of a barbecue event being held 100 meters away said there were no racists at his event. Because the last couple weeks here in Red Deer, as we've seen, it's gotten pretty heated. We want to engage in conversations. We want to understand them. They can understand us. But when we don't align ourselves with them, then all of a sudden they're calling us racist white supremacists. But once the anti-racist groups marched to City Hall, a shouting match occurred and RCMP members had to step in, separating some of those who attended the barbecue from those involved in the peace march. You can just see that even when it was redone, these fucks still had the audacity to show up, even though... They were on camera 
being fucked up. And then, oh, and then a week after the same white supremacists um, went to a parking lot in Red Deer at like eight or in Edmonton at 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. And one of the most racialized neighborhoods in Edmonton. Yeah. I'm going to show a clip here. White supremacists were called out. 2020, and, and you guys are still carrying on about this. Heated confrontations Tuesday night in a parking lot in North Edmonton as people with connections to hate groups gathered to rally. And there was a lot of words thrown around. There was some pushing. There was a lot of racial slurs being thrown. But neighbors in the area wouldn't allow for it. These are the same guys that were in Red Deer. They're not doing anything. Get them out of here. It's a free cut. I can't. What? what? Bullshit. Get them out of here. They came in here. They were throwing well, racial we're slurs. We're seeing her just you tell me what sex with law. I can, I can move these hate people. Hate speech. Get them out of here. But she claims officers told her to go home. According to Edmonton police, there were about 100 people last night. They say the interactions between participants were mostly verbal. But officers did have to separate some people who began engaging in physical altercations. There was one arrest. The man was released without charges. Edmonton police add there are no investigations or any injuries reported. The rally coinciding with the presidential debate where Trump refused to denounce white supremacist groups. Stand back and stand by. Do you want to talk about it? Well, I just find it funny because they were trying to bait the racialized activists to come by saying, we hear there's a, pro a protest planned at 8.30 p.m. in this parking lot. And it's like, hey, no racialized activist is going to protest at 8.30 at night, first of all. And we're not going to do it there. Like, what a random-ass place to be. Oh, in one of the most indigenous pot like areas of Edmonton. And, yeah, no, I didn't actually go, but I had, like, a few people from our group go. And they were on the news and just... Didn't somebody get hit or something? Yeah, it was great. Sad ass people. I know, it's fucked. And you can see, and they say in the news, this is the same people. Um, fuck these people. Yeah. So we are going to wrap up here for this third piece of the podcast. And we are going to start the fourth one next time with the probably long anticipated and long promised um, first convoy um, before 2020 and then uh, finish up with some final stories and reflections on Alberta. Um, thank you for watching and listening so far and we appreciate you.